0: In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com goodfootball and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey... You can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash goodfootball. G-O-O-D-F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L.
1: Thanks for your help.
0: Hey everyone, Josh Norris here with another episode of the Roto-World Football Podcast to digest everything that happened during the first week of the preseason and look ahead to obviously the 16 games on the slate for the second week of the preseason. That's why I'm bringing back Evan Silva for this much-beloved episode, talking about rookies, second-year players, guys that are emerging in the depth chart, and really their performances um, in that first week. But before we do that, I want to get to two things. One, thank you so much for rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, whatever platform you want to use. Um, It really does help us out. It helps us reach new people. And that is absolutely important as we approach the regular season because we'll have three podcasts a week focusing on the great content that the people at Roto World put out. Evan Silva, Roto Pat, Raymond Summerlin, Nick Menzio, Rich Rebar, They'll all be featured on these episodes. So if you want to be in tune and, and ready for that, you got to subscribe. And if you want to help us reach other people, rate, review, I can't tell you how much it helps us out. I'm um, And also, this week, once again, we are sponsored by Mac Weldon, who produces comfortable men's basics. you got your t-shirts, your v-necks, which I absolutely love, your hoodies, which I'm sure a lot of fancy players love, and most importantly, underwear. Look, I understand the protocol here with underwear, right? We go on Amazon. We search for highest customer reviews. We look for that first name brand that pops up. You might buy a 5 or a 10, even a 15-pack. Wear them just a few times. Throw them out because they become uncomfortable. Look, after wearing Mac Weldon, I will never do that again. They're absolutely comfortable. Look, they're so comfortable, you'll want to wear them on the outside, of your pants or your shorts like Quail Man because you want everyone to know that you are wearing Mack Weldon underwear. Really, it's it's that comfortable. Go to dot com and use the promo code ROTOFB to save 20% on your next purchase. Trust me, give it a try. You'll enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. I'm wearing them right now, and they're fantastic. So once again, MacWeldon.com. Use promo code ROTOFB to save 20%. And with that, on to my conversation with Evan Silva. All right, Evan, let's start this week with the Eagles and the Steelers. Lots to talk about with the Eagles. I guess we should start off with the DGB trade. Not going to impact a lot, at least I wouldn't think so and redraft until we see what actually happens, and he's not going to play in this game. But overall, what are your thoughts on DGB to the Eagles?
1: Well, the Eagles need a perimeter receiver. I mean, Nelson Aguilar, who you know, I I think that they're they're down on him.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look good, huh?
1: But yeah, it would be a kind way to, to, to put that. <laughs> but they – they need a. Even Nelson Aguilar is really more of an interior, you know, in-breaking type of receiver. Right. And I think what they want is a, a boundary receiver. They don't. They don't have that. You know, Ruben Randall isn't that. Uh, Chris Givens isn't that. I mean, they're they're not good enough. Yeah. And Dorial Green Beckham at least has a chance to be good enough. He's not going to even play in this preseason game but hopefully he can get a lot of run in the third preseason game. That that's when we should see a lot of him.
0: Yeah, and and right now Green Beckham is only like a go up and get it type receiver. Like I, right. I there's not a lot of nuance to his game in terms of creating separation. And so that's his kind of a narrow skill set right now and I know he's always been hyped, but until we see something, I would kind of lay off the hype and I'm sure you kind of agree. Um Carson Wentz I don't think, is playing in this game either, right? He's hurt. He has a hairline yep. fracture in his rib. Um, what did you think of his first preseason game?
1: I thought he was fine. I mean, I think that in the second preseason game, uh, we're going to see a lot of Chase Daniel.
0: Yeah, he did not look good, Chase Daniel.
1: No, he and he looked bad. But he's had good preseason games before. So I think that if you're playing preseason DFS, he's one of the first guys you want to yep. look at.
0: Good point. Um, over to the Steelers. Uh, another player who did not look good. It's Sammy Coates. I mean, this is a player, Evan, that all off season it was positive buzz. Like, wow, he's stepping in right in for Martavis Bryant. They're going to use him all over. One, I did not see him with the starters very much. And two, when he checked yeah. in, he fumbled the ball twice. I think he dropped another one. I mean, this, this was a, a really, really poor first performance for a guy that a lot of people are, are thinking might be a breakout star this year.
1: Yeah, and he's always been a wide range of outcomes guy. So with him in, we're just chasing, you know, we're just we're just chasing. It was people chasing in the off season, the the news bits about him. And now it's, you know, ooh, it's it's concerning that he wasn't really running with the ones and that he wasn't uh playing well and I mean it's just it's going to be a, a tough thing where we're just chasing all the time with Sammy Coates.
0: I will say though, it's nice that they put him in areas where I thought he could succeed. Cause we talked about it last week that he's might be his best after the catch in terms of his aggression and his athleticism. And they tried to put him in those areas. He didn't convert, but at least <laughs> I think that they understand what they have in him. Um,
1: yeah. He, he's and people say he's just like Martavis, Bryant. I'm not so sure about I, that.
0: Yeah. I don't think so either. I yeah. don't think so either. Bengals Lions up next there's this Brandon LaFell injury news right that he might be out for a few weeks and so the only other veteran receiver other than AJ Green in the roster is is what Brandon Tate yeah and Tyler Boyd I think was only used in the slot during that first preseason game um, do you have any one thoughts on Tyler Boyd and two do you think maybe he'll now be asked to play more on the outside because of this news
1: yeah, did, did have a forty yard catch on a go on a go ball right uh in, in the preseason opener. But I mean, yeah, I mean the, the opportunity is pointing up for Tyler Boyd, who, you know, you, you could be down on him coming out of college. I mean, there were reasons to be down on him. I mean, I think he was a thirty fourth percentile spark athlete, you know, doesn't look like a player who's gonna win consistently right. on the outside in the NFL, but he was super, super productive. And he's got a lot of opportunity. Right. And that can be enough for for him to be useful as a rookie in in fantasy. Um, I think that he's going to – my guess would be that he stays in the slot. Marvin Lewis said that Brandon LaFell is going to be ready for week one.
0: Oh, wow. Interesting. And we always talk about it with with fantasy players that – we talk about talent and we talk about opponent. But the most important thing is Opportunity. And li- like you, I-, I think that Tyler Boyd's best traits fit in the slot. He can create, or he can win those contested catches. Um, I'm not saying he's Jarvis Landry in that area, but I, I think that that's where his skill set is. But if he plays outside and Brantley fellow is not ready, and maybe he shows some promise out there on the outside, Hey, I'll eat it and say I was wrong um, leading up to this first season and maybe have some shares in him. Um, even though maybe I wouldn't have in the past if he was just the third receiver. Uh, Okay, Lions, no Amir Abdullah, so we saw a lot of Zach Zinner. Do you think that Zach Zinner has a real spot in this rotation as a touchdown vulture?
1: I think he can. I think he can. Um, He was clearly ahead of Steven Ridley, who even played behind George Wynn. Not good news for Steven Ridley. And Zenner's good, man. I mean... I agree. He's a good player. He, he can pass block. He can catch the football. He will, at worst, he'll, he'll get what's blocked as a runner. And I think he can do a little bit more because he's got such good balance as a runner. Um, and he runs with a lot of really good pad level. And he's a, real, he's a great athlete. Yeah. And... I mean, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a fantasy factor on his own this year. He could if, you know, if injuries occur. But I think that he could definitely be a drain on Amir Abdullah's value. And the same is the case with Theo Riddick, of course. I mean, it's just it's a bad backfield situation for fantasy, even though individually we we kind of, you know, like each player to a different degree.
0: Right. Um. Not to put you on the spot here, but do we know when Ab- Abdullah coming back? Is it this week? Is it next week?
1: We don't. Uh, he's been practicing with a red no contact jersey, and I think that they, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll pull him out of that for the third preseason game. I would sort of not expect him to play this week, but that's not for sure.
0: Falcons Browns is the third game on Thursday. Let's start with the Browns. Terrell Pryor, right out of the gate, man, coming up with a huge big play down the field on a bomb from RG3. And maybe we're getting caught in the hype here a little bit, but Terrell Pryor kind of looks like a wide receiver out there, Evan.
1: Yeah, I mean, they he, he he's built like a wide receiver. Absolutely. Um, and he's got good ball skills, and he's tough. I mean, I remember when he was playing quarterback for the Raiders, and they just had an abominable offensive line. And, you know, he was kind of like a dual-threat quarterback, so he would take a – He'd take a beating, man, but he would bounce back up every time. I gained a lot of respect for him when he was playing quarterback for the Raiders, and I've been rooting for him ever since. And, you know, I, I you're right. He came out and made a play, and apparently he's been good in practice, and he's going to open the season as their starter right. opposite Corey Coleman.
0: Right. So let me ask you this an MFL 10s a couple weeks ago. I saw him going in, like, the 18th, 19th, 20th rounds. That's not going to happen anymore, right? We might see him a few rounds earlier than that. Are you in at that price? Are you going to let someone else take him in that area?
1: I'm not, because I think his ceiling is probably, like, you know, 35 catches for 500 yards and four touchdowns. And I'm yeah. – you know, I, I can get uh, – I get Bruce Ellington really late and he's got a lot better ceiling. I could get uh, even like Jermaine curse, you know, late, late Ted Ginn goes 16th, 17th round. So I'm kind of out on Terrell Pryor as a, as a fantasy pick. And you know, you got Josh Gordon coming back too. Right. And you got, it's, it's going to be a run first offense theoretically. And you have Duke Johnson and Gary Barnage and Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon and, you know, all these guys, and there they will be a third receiver, whether it's Rashard Higgins or Baby Hawk. You know These guys are going to command targets, and I just I don't think there's quite enough opportunity for Terrell Pryor. But, I, but he's definitely an exciting guy to monitor.
0: Moving over to the Falcons. Oh, and Corey Coleman is practicing now, so maybe he'll play in that second game. Who knows? So it's, it's good to see him at least back at practice. Uh, Brandon Wilds on the Falcons really impressed me, Evan. Now, at best, he's going to be their number three running back. When he was in, I thought he put his foot in the dirt. I thought he got upfield. That's the no-nonsense style that obviously Kyle Shanahan wants in his blocking scheme. Uh, Undrafted guy out of South Carolina, another Matt Waldman favorite. Uh, Did Brandon Wilds catch your eye like he did in mine? Yeah, and I would agree that he is now the
1: favorite for the number three running back job, which running backs get hurt in the NFL. It's a very, very violent position when these backs have a – have, you know, high workload, which Devonta Freeman, I expect to have, uh, you know, he's he's going to be subject to injury risk. We saw him miss some time last year. We saw Tevin Coleman miss time at, at differing points. So Brandon Wilds, certainly a name to, to file away. And I would expect him to, to keep getting work in the second preseason game. Teron Ward, who last year was their number three. Is not good. Is 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 bad and hurt bad and
0: hurt is no way to go through life uh chicago bears new england patriots another game on thursday oh with the bears i guess we should talk about jeremy langford kind of having a stranglehold hold on that number one running back position in that first game i think it was 10 snaps he saw all 10 so no kadeem carey no jordan howard it was all jeremy langford is that promising at all for his status, or is this just another wait-and-see and maybe someone else will take him earlier than I will?
1: No, it's absolutely promising. Good. Because nobody's nobody's, put, nobody's making a run at him. You know, it looks like right now the number two back is Jacquez Rogers. Oh, wow. Yeah, who no one was talking about early in the process. Jordan Howard, I think, was like the fourth guy in. Yeah. Kadim Carey suffered a concussion. Okay. So – everything's just kind of going in the right direction for Jeremy Langford, who you can question his talent as a player, but when he got starts last year, he was super, super productive. He was great in fantasy. He's shaping up as a great value pick in fantasy drafts.
0: Yeah, and again, we always talk about opportunity, and the opportunity seems to be there. I didn't spotlight this game as much as others. Did you watch Kevin White at all? I know that Alshon Jeffery did surprisingly play, but did Kevin White stand out at all?
1: Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he, he had a catch early.
0: Okay.
1: He didn't play a lot. I think he had like 10 snaps, I want to say. To add to this, he's apparently been dominating the, the joint practices against the Patriots corners who are good, Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler.
0: That's good news. Jimmy Garoppolo started this game, played yo, yo, a yo, lot. Yo, yeah. Kevin White is awesome. Kevin, <laughs> that's good to know. I mean, I, I agree that Kevin White – He's a really good player, and I'm excited to watch him more throughout this preseason, right? Because, again, this is someone that we haven't watched since, what, 2014, right? Yeah. I mean, and he only played on one side of the field at that time. We keep talking about that, but, yes, that is the narrative that I'm going with. So I'm excited to see him. And I even have some shares in NFL 10s, even though, again, uh, a lot of people like him more than I do for just this upcoming season, maybe not overall.
1: Yeah, but I think the community is a little bit too down on him. Though. Okay. He's he's a freaking beast, Josh. And, and I agree. And he stayed healthy this entire offseason. Zach Miller can't stay healthy. There's a lot of targets there. I know it's a run-first offense, but there's a lot of targets available there. And if Alshon Jeffery gets hurt, yeah, Kevin White blows up.
0: And, and let's put it this way. He is the type of talent that could maybe, perhaps, and this is a big jump, win you your league because he oh, has yeah. he has the talent. And like you said, if the opportunity is there for large volume, again, those two things aligning on a team that might want to throw down the field or, or um, be in a position to do that, he can win you your league. Yep, Patriots, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo started this game. I was pleased with, I guess, the hashtag narrative and the relationship between Jimmy Garoppolo and Martellus Bennett early on.
1: Yeah, overall, I didn't. I wasn't very impressed with Garoppolo, though.
0: No, but just with that one, all those throws to Bennett, I thought that those looked good, and that was kind of a concern about, hey, what is Martellus Bennett's role going to be in this offense? Now, we might not know it completely because Gronk didn't play, but it's good that they actually have some communication and, and some rapport going.
1: Very good point, and I think that, um, oh, to add to that, uh, Jeff Howe of the Boston Herald charts all of the quarterback's Uh, targets in practice Aaron Dobson just gets the most run with Garoppolo so uh, Dobson is number one but number two for Garoppolo is Martellus Bennett and number three is James White
0: okay Malcolm Mitchell suffered a elbow injury Um, it seems like he's going to be out until week one at the very least I thought he looked good prior to that but again now this takes him completely off redraft rosters doesn't it
1: yeah, for sure. And he wasn't really a guy that we were ever looking at a redraft, but he's definitely a guy that we want to pay attention. And hopefully he can kick this injury bug because, you know, I think, what did he, what did he I felt like he lasts like six years at Georgia. Yeah.
0: Always injuries. Always yeah. injuries. Um, I think that's it for that game in terms of what I was looking for. But the Raiders, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Obviously, Latavis Murray um, had the stranglehold in the position, but then when he came out. It wasn't DeAndre Washington that stepped in. It was Ola Wally who stepped in. Yes. So for someone who has been touting DeAndre Washington a lot this offseason, and rightfully so because the Raiders brass has talked about him as a, quote, complete back and how they want to add another mouth to feed in, the, in that running back core. Does this concern you about DeAndre Washington immediate value? No. But why? Even Okay, let me play devil's advocate here even when the team came out this week and said they want to give Latavius Murray even more carries than they did last season. Right. But
1: I mean, I think I like, I like Latavius. It's a situation where I like Forte and Bilal Powell. You know, okay. I like Latavius and DeAndre Washington at their price points in fantasy drafts. I mean, Latavius Murray is, he looked good in the first game. He's going to get a lot of freaking work. The way that the roster is built, He's set up for Latavius Murray to succeed this year. Their offensive line is badass. Their defense is going to be badass. Their coach is Jack Del Rio. Their OC is Bill Musgrave. Latavius Murray got every single snap with the ones in the first preseason game. You know, it's take this dude in the fourth round and, and don't look back. With DeAndre Washington, I know that Alawale played ahead of him in the first preseason game and maybe that I think it might have been just veteran deference because I know someone who knows people in the Raiders front office and they consider DeAndre Washington the clear number two back and DeAndre Washington excelled with his opportunities and I expect him to continue to get a lot of work in the second preseason game
0: and I thought he looked good I thought he looked exactly like he did at Texas Tech in terms of once he can get to the second level, he can make you miss and create some yards with some lateral moves and some some um, quickness and all that kind of stuff. And and we saw that again. So I I think that that's good for him. Absolutely. He had
1: good runs too. Yep. I, I can't remember looking at him in pass protection at all. That that will be something to something to monitor. Yeah,
0: and I'll even go back to the Senior Bowl, and this doesn't mean much until he does it in, in the preseason. But I, I thought he was extremely competitive in terms of a pass protector during that week in mobile, because he wasn't asked to do it a lot at Texas tech. It didn't seem like, uh, with the Packers. I don't think there's much to talk about other than RIP Jeff Janice preseason 2016. Yep. Very, very
1: sad. We will see Brett Hundley back okay. this okay. week. And I think he'll get a ton of run because these, these goofballs that they've been trotting out at quarterback, you know, these guys don't, these have, goofballs. Future. They don't have futures in the NFL. So, Brett Brett Hundley is going to get – he's going to get a lot of run in the second preseason game. So if you're playing preseason DFS, we've already named two really good quarterback plays, Chase Daniel and Brett Hundley.
0: There we go. And a Brandon Wilds at running back is a potential one too.
1: And and DeAndre Washington too, I think, is very much still in play.
0: A rookie who I was not amazed by during the first week of the preseason didn't really do anything to me at least, Laquan Treadwell with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I mean – Chris, John- Charles Johnson, excuse me, not Chris Johnson, Charles Johnson, and um, Stefan Diggs are the two starting receivers. I'm not sure right now, Evan, if Laquan Treadwell, how long it's going to take him to crack that starting lineup, if at all, before the season.
1: Yeah, and Charles Johnson is good. I mean, I understand, I mean, he's a talented guy. I understand that he let a lot of people down last year. He let me down, but he fractured multiple ribs, like in the, in the second game. Or whatever. It, maybe it was even the first game. You got to keep that in mind. I think that Stefan Diggs is clearly the one right now. Right. Charles Johnson is the other starter. And then they have a competition actually for the third receiver between Adam Thielen and Jarius Wright. Jarius Wright is a good slot receiver, but he's been hurt. And Adam Thielen
0: is. They love him bad. for his special teams ability. Yeah. He's on the it, roster.
1: It, right. And, and he isn't bad. He's always been productive in, um, in preseason games, Adam Thielen has. Uh, and then, you know, Laquan Treadwell is competing for snaps. So, you know, I I just, I think the expectations should be greatly lowered for Laquan Treadwell in fantasy. However, the same could have been said for Odell Beckham with the Giants, you know, his training camp. The same could have said, been said for Keenan Allen in San Diego, uh, Josh Doxson is sort of in a similar situation in Washington right now. I mean, it's different circumstances, but, you know, I, I, I'm not totally out on Laquan Treadwell. I think he's going to be a really good NFL player.
0: And I really like his talent. I really do. He, I rated him as the number two wide receiver come out of college. But for fantasy purposes, I'll take him behind rookie receivers, obviously, like Corey Coleman and maybe even a Will Fuller. Um, just because we know that Fuller is going to get some run. There's a lot of talk whoa, about – Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go ahead.
1: Will Fuller can't catch.
0: <laughs> Evan, I, see, I know when you're joking, but the public might not know when you're joking. I, we won't jump to Will Fuller just yet, but I, it, it was very promising his usage in that first preseason game. Let's move on to the Seahawks because that's who's playing the, fa- the, the Vikings. Um, Kristen Michael, the buzz is all about him for the last week, Evan. Where do you stand with Christian Michael?
1: I mean, we've always known that he had incredible ability. I remember years ago talking to you about him, like the first time that I watched him, you know, like on draft breakdown, and I went to you, I was like, what do you think about this Christian Michael dude, man? He is incredible. Yeah, East West Rhine guy. You loved him, I yep. think. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we, we loved him. I mean, the red flags were there. <laughs> you know, I, right. he, I don't think he ever had a year... A big year in college
0: no I don't think he ever had a thousand yards rushing I think it was just like 800 or something like that he missed a lot of time and he's in the doghouse his final season there too
1: bounced around but the coaching staff says that he's had a quote-unquote awakening that he's become more mature so I mean I'm not going to write that off the beat writers think that he's going to have a role early in the season that's a little bit of a concern I think for top for Thomas Rawls
0: right and I think someone even came out maybe it was Pete Carroll but Obviously, you can't listen to everything Pete Carroll says, but he came out that's going to be a one-two punch automatically with Rawls and Michael, and Michael's the healthy one right now. Yeah, Shield
1: Capadia of ESPN.com, a really good beat writer for a long time, used to cover the Eagles, pro- projected Thomas Rawls in the first game, 15 carries, 7 for C-Mike. So, I mean, I think the expectation is that C-Mike's going to have a role early on.
0: CJ Procy still has not practiced, and I even saw one... I think it was a writer for a local radio station, put him on the roster bubble. Now, I'm not expecting uh, to get cut, but I mean, it certainly is concerning for someone that maybe was going to be looked at as a passing down role during his rookie year, not even being able to touch the field, maybe during the preseason.
1: I mean, I, I can't draft him at this point. I, I can't draft at CJ. All. Yeah,
0: at all. And then they still use the quick game that we always talk about, Evan. With, with the Seahawks in terms of the passing game. It works for Tyler Lockett. I mean, Doug Baldwin, they were feeding him really early on once again. So that is very promising um, if we're just looking at it from that standpoint. Yep. Let's, let's move on to Friday. Uh, Jets, Redskins. I guess for the Jets, the most promising thing was Quincy Inunua, the kind of H-back receiving tight end. It seemed like he was the clear first yeah. option in that area. Super athletic guy, I believe, coming out of Nebraska that was a former wide receiver. Is this someone to look at maybe in the waiver wire down the future if he always get, if you, if he gets some targets and things, but it seems like he's ahead of Jason Mara right now. Yeah.
1: Well, he played a lot of snaps last year. He was on the field a lot as their he, sort of like a blocker H back, you know, because they don't really have a tight end in that offense. And in their four, ri- four wide, he'd be in the slot. Uh, but he w- was never a big part of their passing game, you know? So, I don't know, will, will that suddenly change? I think that might change if Brandon Marshall or Eric Decker got hurt, especially Decker, um, but I don't know, you know, I don't I don't think that his role is, is going to be big barring an injury to one of their, their studs. They have a very shallow ball distribution, so I don't think that we are going to see another guy really step forward and become a fantasy factor barring an injury to one of their
0: studs. Redskins Matt Jones seemed to have the clear running back one role, but then when he did come out in some passing situations, it was Chris Thompson, not Keith Marshall, who stepped in. Any thoughts on this trio at running back that the Redskins have right now?
1: I mean, I think that was pretty much as expected.
0: And Chris Thompson's still a guy who who I'm targeting late in MFL 10 just out of that passing down role. Um, Cowboys, Dolphins, no Zeke Elliott for the Cowboys in that first game. He is practicing now, but all the talk is about the backup quarterback and Dak Prescott. Now I haven't gone back and and read what smart football um, wrote about that. Chris Brown, about that first preseason performance, but I I would say, yes, it was great, but let's like halt the brakes a little bit and how great this guy can be.
1: Oh man. I had already been uh, carving his bust.
0: (laughs) Well, you're not the only one, I think.
1: I know, I know you. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just fun to see a young dude play well, especially when the camp reports on him have been pretty bad.
0: Oh, really? I did not know. Oh, that.
1: yeah, yeah. Like he was getting outplayed by Jamil Showers.
0: Oh, I had no idea.
1: But uh, it's just fun to see a, a young dude play well. I don't, I, and we're not allowed to talk about that. I mean, I don't. I don't think anybody was making any bold proclamations like, "Oh, he's going to overtake." I don't know. Maybe people were that, that I missed. Yeah that yeah. he's going to overtake Tony Romo. I just think it's fun to see a young dude shine. He played with a lot of decisiveness, a lot of confidence. He got the ball out quickly, showed willingness to throw the ball and let her, let his receivers win. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's got a freaking
0: cannon, dude. Yeah, he's no, I a- agree. And, and and that back shorter throw to Dez was great. I mean, he threw a lot of those in college to Derunier Wilson. And Dorender Wilson's a little bit worse, just a tiny bit worse than Des Bryant as a player. (laughs) So, I mean, that was good to see. Uh, Dolphins, I thought Laramie Tunsil looked very good at left guard, even though he apparently hasn't solidified that spot. And I didn't think their left tackle, Brandon Albert, looked good at all. But I would say what to discuss here is Arian Foster being back at practice, and I believe he's on track to play in that second preseason game. Is he not?
1: That's what they said he's going to do, yeah. Okay. So, so it'll be fun to see how he looks, and I'm, I'm sure we'll overanalyze it.
0: I'm sure we will. And so talking about overanalyze, Jay Ajayi like dropped a pass. Um, that was an easy one out of the backfield yeah. in this game. And I actually think Jay Ajayi is a strong receiving back, and so I wouldn't overanalyze that too much. Um, Josh. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I was talking about this with Ray the other day. So apparently Ajayi – well, Ajayi had like 10 targets as a rookie. I'm sorry, I'm eating my breakfast. He had like ten targets as a rookie and he had two drops. And he had uh during OTAs and minicamps, like the camp reports were that he just he couldn't catch the ball at all. Wow. And um and I but and I was talking to Ray about this and I was like, this is so weird because I thought he was a really good receiving back coming out of Boise State, and Ray was like, Yeah, you know, it must be in his head at this point. I mean, he he dropped a pass in the preseason opener and like punted it. Like yeah.
0: kicked it. I, I see. I don't sure. know how those things happen. Obviously, I never yeah. played the game, but I'm I'm with you that in college that he looked good in that area. They used him a lot in those area in that area in terms of screens and and swing passes and get him out in the flats and those types of things. And he would pick up a, a large chunk of yards. In fact, I would say some people thought that a third down roll immediately was was what he was going to do in the NFL. So yeah, something to watch, I guess, for the remaining three games. Evan, with the Arizona Cardinals against the San Diego Chargers, another game on Friday, I think the last one on Friday, I want to ask you this. Would you be fine with anyone drafting David Johnson ahead of those top three receivers in terms of uh, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, and Julio Jones in redraft leagues? Because I'm seeing a lot of people saying that he's the clear number one running back, that all the opportunity is there. So in order to get him, and if you're in those top three picks, you might have to select David Johnson ahead of one of those top three wide receivers. Yeah. Did
1: you notice that they that he came out and then Chris Johnson went in uh, in the red zone?
0: I did. I did.
1: But but did David Johnson come back after that? I don't think he did.
0: No, I don't think he did. Okay. Um, but I mean, you always point to that Chris Johnson's still going to have like some type of a role in this offense, even though that Steve Kime and all these guys are pumping up. David Johnson, which is absolutely valid. I mean, he's a heck of a talent.
1: Right. Well, you know, like statistical studies have shown that the number one indicator of running back injuries is not necessarily even past injuries. It's workload. Yeah. And if you reduce a guy's workload, he's going to be subject to less injury risk. And I don't expect David Johnson to be handling 25 touches a game to begin the year. Yeah. You know, I I think that Chris Johnson will have a role, and I think that's smart by the Cardinals. Um, So I I would not take David Johnson over uh, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, or Odell Beckham, but I think that beginning at number four is where he starts to come into play, especially in a PPR league, and I I think really in a non-PPR league as well.
0: Let's move on to another second year running back, and Melvin Gordon III, who broke off some nice runs, had a long uh, reception for a touchdown that was on a busted play by the defense. I believe it was Wesley Woodyard who blitzed when he should have stayed back in coverage. I think that's what Mike Malarkey said. Were you at all optimistic about what you saw out of Melvin Gordon third running behind his college fullback in Derek Watt? <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, I, I like to see him make plays because I felt like he played without confidence at times as a rookie. It just when push comes to shove, you know, is this dude going to be a between the twenties back again? You know, is is he going to get, because Danny Woodhead had 30 red zone touches last year and Melvin Gordon had 13. Right. And,
0: you know, Danny Woodhead is
1: going to be the primary receiving back. So, you know, how is Melvin Gordon going to accumulate fantasy value without those roles? And I I think it's going to be difficult. Um, You know, I, I didn't think that he would be a bust coming out of Wisconsin. I thought that he would be a good player coming out of Wisconsin. But I, I think that you know the the transition is, is huge, and it was a little bit too big for him as a rookie. It's good to see him healthy and making plays, though, especially after offseason microfracture surgery.
0: True. and And Evan, you laughed, but I'm serious. I really do think it helps running behind a true fullback. This team, like, did not have a true fullback last year. It was obviously a priority this offseason. They said it was just a coincidence that they drafted the same one he ran behind at Wisconsin. Derek Watt is a lot of fun to watch in this game. I kept focusing on him because he just pounds these linebackers once getting to the second level or in the hole. I I would not be surprised if that is a key part and if there is a resurgence of Melvin Gordon. I think that that could be a major factor. Um, Keenan Allen looked good. I'm so excited to watch Tyrell Williams for the rest of preseason because – he might be that third receiver in that in that offense. Um, let's move on to Carolina, Tennessee. Evan, let's talk about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Oh,
1: man. Isn't he awesome?
0: He's so awesome. Right? The best thing to me wasn't like the long runs or, or picking up 12 or 15 yards. It was converting, you know, four to five-yard runs into seven or eight-yard runs. Yes. It was converting negative one-yard runs or negative three yard runs into one yard gains, you know, those add up. Those are what keep the chains moving, and to me, that's what coaches love. He is so good at falling forward on final contact. And yeah. again, it's something that I overlooked with like a Le'Veon Bell, overlooked with the Jeremy Hill when he actually did it, and I didn't overlook it with Derrick Henry. I kept pumping it up as one of his his greatest strengths, and he showed it in just his first game on the field.
1: Yeah, I love him. I, I mean, I think he's the best back on the
0: team. Yeah. And and there was so much again, we talk about nitpicking here. A lot of people nitpick that, well, he goes down behind the line of scrimmage too often when, when having to, to change his footwork and all that. Look, I would say like ninety percent of running backs do, right? And right. even in this game, he did not. He was able to work laterally, even though he couldn't do that in the bag drills that we saw the vine of at training camp, right? He did it in this game. I'm just again excited to watch him for the next three weeks. And I'm I'm absolutely in on him in MFL 10s and MF in on him on redraft leagues as well. If you do a, a, a zero running back strategy, he's he's absolutely a guy I'm targeting um, with one of those first two or three or four running back selections I have. Did, did you think that he
1: looked like more spelt than he did in college? I, I almost thought he looked like he was in just absolute perfect shape physically.
0: He, I, I'm just excited all around. Like I, I've loved him coming out of school and I think he's in a great situation here. I absolutely think he's in a great situation here. So, And we and we learned that he's not a fullback, Evan. He, he missed his lead-blocking opportunity. So at least he's not going to play fullback. Let's, okay, let's move on to Caroline, unless you have something else to say about Tennessee. Anything on, on Tajay Sharp?
1: Uh, no, but, I mean, the, D, the DGB trade is another show of faith in him. He's going to enter the season as a fixture in three receiver sets yeah. and maybe even two receiver sets. Yeah. Um, Kendall Wright's hurt right now. So we don't really know, and he's I think they've kind of typecast him as a slot receiver, but you know, Tajay Sharp is is gonna be in the three receiver package along with Kendall Wright and Rashad Matthews.
0: There's so much talk right now about Devin Funches on the Panthers, right? That maybe he'll lead the team in receiving, that maybe he'll outperform Calvin Benjamin. Personally, Evan, I know that there's some concern about Calvin Benjamin's conditioning. But I still think that it might not be the case in the preseason, but when we open the regular season, it's going to be Calvin Benjamin and Ted Ginn and two wide receiver sets. Um, mm-hmm. Even in this game, Devin Funches.
1: That's what it was in the first preseason.
0: Right. He, he only came in with the first team on running plays. It wasn't on passing plays. So look, I, I am all, always more supportive of, Kev, of Devin Funches in the past than a lot of other people. But in terms of him overtaking Calvin Benjamin as the number one wide receiver on this team, I just don't see it. I don't see it.
1: Uh, Brenton Burson played ahead of Corey Brown.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Philly Brown, I think we talked about it in a couple weeks, maybe a week ago, a couple weeks ago. Um, Philly Brown checked in 16 pounds heavier. Now he says it was all muscle. Ron Rivera has laughed that it's baby fat, those types of things. Um, But Burson is a Wofford College product, the same school that the owner went to. A lot of people have joked that that's why he's on the roster. He has tried to return punts. He's kind of a fringe roster guy. but It seems like he's locked into this team. Again, the guy I'm watching for, Evan, is Demir Bird. Demir Bird is going to make this roster. Um, So, last year, the Panthers used a four-wide receiver
1: rotation. They didn't have one full-time receiver. Right. They used uh, Gin, Cochery, uh, Philly Brown, and Funchess. Right. Funchess was actually the number four guy in terms of snap percentages week to week. With Kelvin Benjamin struggling with his conditioning, could we see them go back to that a, a, a four receiver rotation where nobody's a full time receiver? You know, it's the, where, the... where where they could use Benjamin, uh, Ginn, and then uh, Funchess as the three, and then. You know, what? one of their other guys.
0: So I think it's a a great question. Jonathan Jones interviewed Mike Shula a couple weeks ago. And Shula said, well, I I think the point is right now they're going to target 30 snaps for Calvin Benjamin in this third preseason game. So not this week, but next week. Okay. so that's good to know. 30 snaps, depending on how his conditioning goes. They're not sure. I think they'll be able to tell from that game if he can play 60 snaps, 65 snaps a game like he has in the past, right? Like like a number one wide receiver has. If he can, he will be the X receiver, their go-to guy that's always out there every single week. If he right. can't, Devin Funchess is the number two guy at the X, right? Now, he also plays the Y, some he also plays inside some. But I, I, I do think, and it's, it's, it's right to your question, that it all depends on Kelvin's conditioning. I didn't know it was this big of a deal kind of until the last week, honestly. Yeah,
1: yeah. interesting. I mean, we want our, our wide receivers to be full-time players in the offense. Right. You know, so so if Benjamin can't get there, that's a concern.
0: But I will say this. On the first snap of week one, if it's a two-wide receiver snap in terms of the personnel, I think it's going to be KB, and I think it's going to be Ted Ginn. I don't think Tev- Devin Funchess is, is has cracked That on paper, two wide receivers set yet. And so if we're talking about opportunity, it's not there in terms of, you know, a go-to number one wide receiver. Right. It's not. Okay. Another game on Saturday. That Carolina-Tennessee game is at 3 o'clock on Saturday, by the way, which is great. We get football all day on Saturday. 4 o'clock, the Giants and the Bills. Evan, I always want to see more Shane Vereen whenever I watch him in the preseason. Yeah. It's every single year it's our oh, I wish Shane Vereen had a larger role in this offense. And again, I see Shane Vereen and Paul Perkins having like the same exact theoretical role in this offense. So once again I think Shane Vereen's a better player, so I'm still not really in on Paul Perkins this year at all.
1: Yeah, and I don't I think at this point no one really is is in on Paul Perkins for this year, but I think he's I do think he's a good player and if he were to get the opportunity, which can happen uh, then I think that he he could have some fantasy value. My biggest takeaway from this game was that Rashad Jennings was the pretty clear one. I mean, him and Vereen are the clear first teamers. And then, uh, and and in in a goal line situation, Rashad Jennings stayed in and scored the touchdown. And then Andre Williams came in and looked pretty good, yeah. but he got st- he got stuffed on the goal line. Yeah, it's we it's a big hurdle to clear for Rashad Jennings to have a secure grip on goal line carries that's going to be really big for his fantasy value
0: you know who looked really good was Sterling Shepard yeah yeah looked awesome
1: and you know who looked really bad the quarterback
0: (laughs) Ryan Nassib um Bills obviously they just gave Tyrod a somewhat of an extension I, I think the most promising part of this in terms of an individual standpoint was Mike Gillisley not really working with the second team that he was just working with the first team. So his, yeah. his status as the, the backup is, is really secure right now.
1: Yeah. Locked and loaded. I mean, he was, he was done for the day before the first quarter. had ended
0: Ravens Colts. Also on Saturday, the Ravens continue to rotate a lot of people. Terrence West looked good. Buck Allen still in his pass catching role. Kenneth Dixon came in late and, reeled off some big runs because there was some great blocking. I I guess if, okay, here's the question. If you were going to invest in just one running back in this offense, who would it be? Buck Allen. Wow. Not Terrence West. No. Not Justin Forsett.
1: I I think that Buck Allen has the surest role, that he's the best receiving back on a pass-first team that last year led the NFL in pass attempts, that is run by an O.C. Mark Tressman, who's overseen 14 NFL offenses in his career, and 10 of them have finished in the top 10 in pass attempts, and none of them have ever finished lower than than uh, half the league. Yeah. So I think that Buck Allen's the best receiving back, and I think he has the surest role. And because he's 20, 220 pounds, there's an outside chance that he could be a feature back. I don't expect that. But I think there's an outside chance that he could. And then the rest of the guys are just kind of, you know, it could go any way. I mean, Justin Forsett was held out of the first game, like treated like a guy that they don't want to get injured. Yeah. So, I mean, that you know, that's a sign that he's he seems somewhat secure. But I think these these other backs are better than him. I think that Terrence West is better than him. I think that um, the beat writers have been saying that Terrence West has outplayed Justin Forsett in training camp. Yeah. I th- you know I know that Buck Allen's a better receiving back than Justin Forsett. And I think that Kenneth Dixon might be the best running back all purpose on the roster. Yeah. So not willing to invest in Justin Forsett and I'll take Buck Allen in like the 14th round.
0: And Darren Waller was used heavily early on, the former wide yeah. receiver from Georgia Tech kind of now a converted receiving tight end. I'm guessing you're kind of going to look his way as we head through the next few weeks in preseason DFS.
1: Yeah, I, I, I feel like an idiot that I was not on him in the first game. They yeah. have so many guys hurt. I should have been on him, but, yeah. I, but I wasn't. Oh, by the way, he's suspended uh, for the first four games to open the season.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. I don't think that the Colts' second running back spot was cleared up at all in this first preseason week. I mean, Josh Ferguson got a little bit of run. I don't think he did absolutely anything. Uh, Trey Williams, I think, caught a pass, did some running, and then Robert Turbin kind of looked slow to me out there and returned some kicks as well. I believe. Was any clarity formed in your mind at all with this second running back spot, or does that is that just good news for Frank Gore?
1: Just think, Josh Ferguson is overrated at this point. I've
0: absolutely, heard. he is one hundred percent. Josh Ferguson's overrated
1: for a guy that. I feel bad saying it because, like, I was, like, on him, like, early in the process. I was like, wow, this, this dude's kind of good, you know, but he's gotten pumped up so much, man. It's
0: crazy. We talked about, it, like, he's being drafted in the same area as Darren Sproles is in MFL 10s. It's yeah. completely nuts. Completely totally. nuts. Let's move on. The Bucks, the Jaguars. Oh, I, the Jaguars running back rotation is still there. And I, I guess we kind of saw it. I think T.J. Yeldon got the start. Chris Ivory came in for the short yardage work, and that's how it's going to be. It seems like everyone's going to avoid these running backs the entire season.
1: Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? And we talked before about how the, you know, the, the workload is the number one indicator of injury. So if they're sharing the workload, their injury risks minimize. And um, this is a team that is built to throw in the red zone with Allen Robinson having a 42-inch vertical, with Julius Thomas put on this planet to score touchdowns. You know, I don't don't think the touchdown upside is particularly high for Chris Ivory. Last year, the Jaguars finished 26th in the NFL in uh, running back targets. They don't throw the ball to their running backs very much, and they're going to throw the ball less overall this year because their defense is better. So you can't really hang your hat on receptions for TJ Yeldon, and you can't really hang your hat on touchdowns for chris ivory that is a fantasy wasteland
0: and alan robinson looked like maybe the best receiver in the nfl last week by the way i think evan there's a chance that he he ends up as wide receiver one this year i would not be like completely shocked by it oh man that that's awesome
1: you know i was reading uh i was reading some stuff on jaguars.com and sometimes when you read stuff on the the team website you got to take it with a grain of salt you know but because they're they're paid to write good things right. about
0: <laughs> and not write negatively
1: right but john oser who, who is a good um I mean, he's a, he's a good you know writer uh, he used to cover uh the colts but he he was saying how alan robinson is looks better in training camp this year than he did last year when he led the nfl and touchdown catches and realistically we should be expecting to alan, alan robinson to get better I mean, yeah. he's, what, 22 years old? Right. I mean, he's, you know, he's like two years younger than Josh Doxson.
0: Yeah. I didn't like him enough coming out of school. Uh, I can say that.
1: That's uh, all right. I mean, you know, he had bad quarterback play, and that might that might skew right. the way that you
0: look at a receiver. Right. He made him look decent this freshman year, Christian Hackenberg. Tampa Bay. Evan Charles Sims is a guy that I will never draft, like ever. And and oh. and, I, and I could be completely wrong in that way. So if I am, kind of correct me. T- tell me tell me how I am wrong.
1: Well, because he has a secure role in the offense. So he has a floor. Um, last year, I think he was a top 25 PPR back. And then if Doug Martin gets hurt, then Charles Sims is like an, an RB1 in fantasy. So he has a high floor and he has high upside. And to me, that that's attractive.
0: Evan, let's rifle through these next three and final preseason games the Saints and the Texans hey Texans receiving core Uh, it was a lot of talk again kind of like Sammy Coates with the Steelers that Jalen Strong um, had a strong offseason except in the first team we saw a lot of Wolf Fuller and we saw a lot of Braxton Miller with DeAndre Hopkins what does that tell you
1: the Braxton Miller thing actually was interesting um, because it I don't. I think Cecil Shorts just didn't play. Maybe they just don't. They don't need to see him. I didn't see him at all. I didn't see Cecil Shorts. I also didn't see Alfred Blue. Yeah. But Jalen Strong was clearly with the twos. Now this is a this is a situation where I'm watching the second game to see if something kind of changes. You know, sometimes uh, like when, when there are quarterback competitions, one guy will start the first game and then the other guy will start the second game. And then whoever kind of wins will start the third game, which is considered the regular season dress rehearsal. Maybe we'll see Jalen Strong start this second game over Will Fuller. But based on the first game, Will Fuller locked into two receiver sets. And Jalen Strong is a guy who's competing for snaps.
0: Yeah. And Jalen Strong did his thing, right? He he won some contested yeah. catches, and that's what he does. So, again, like you said, it's something to watch as we go along. Evan, I remember the first— podcast we did this offseason you hyped up Drew Brees that you're all in on Drew Brees this year and from that first throw in this preseason game I mean he he was on point here's the thing with this offense there's no clear go-to number one so who do you think is the best value on this offense
1: yeah it's it's a good question I think it might be Kobe Fleener you know our boy Rich Rebar did a great show on RotoViz radio. I mean, and you always want to hear Rich Rebar. He can just spit. Yep. You know, he's, he's the, the twist uh, of, of fantasy writers. <laughs> uh, he predicted that Kobe Fleener would be the overall tight end one in fantasy.
0: This wow. Year. Um, I believe this was a bold prediction. Not like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. It was a bold prediction. Yes. But I mean, he, you know, he, he had some facts behind it, but that was interesting to hear. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know, no receiver, no pass catcher has ever topped 150 targets with Drew Brees. For some perspective, like uh Julio Jones and Antonio Brown were at like 190 uh to in the 200 last year. But no no pass catcher with Drew Brees has ever topped 150 targets. Wow. Um so
0: I have a lot of Willie Sneed shares, by the way, Evan, and I really like Willie Snead.
1: A good spot. I mean, I think he sees. I think. I think he saw 103 targets last year, and I think he'll be in that same range. And, the, the the question for me, and I, the hype is really strong on Michael Thomas right now. Yeah. How many How many balls is dude going to catch? I mean, I, we we know we can play. Okay. Right. The talent but, is
0: there. The talent is there, but the opportunity might not be.
1: It might not be unless he. Beats out Willie Sneed, but I don't even think that that's in play. They, right. This is also a team that uses a lot of two tight end sets. They'll use some fullback. They're, you know, they're not a, a, a 70 80% three-receiver team by any means. Uh, so I think that in order for Michael Thomas to get where I think some people want him to go, he's got to beat out Willie Sneed, and I, I don't think that that's really in the cards.
0: Yeah, and Michael Thomas looked like a young Michael Crabtree in this game. He looked absolutely awesome. Awesome. Yep. Let's move on to the 49ers and Broncos. Oh, I don't know what to say about the 49ers other than everyone is bad because when Gabbert makes them bad. Um, I will say, though, Mike Davis looked quite good. Mike Davis looks really good. The second year running back, I believe, second year out of South Carolina. But, again, it's not like he might not crack the rotation unless Carlos Hyde gets hurt because Sean Drone is there as, as the clear passing down back.
1: Yeah, unless Mike Davis overtakes Sean Drone. I mean, Sean Drone is a guy that I like as a late round pick. Yeah, Mike Davis looked awfully good, man, and he's always been a good receiver. And uh, I, the camp reports have been that he shed some weight. He was, I think, he was injured a lot his final year at South Carolina, or, or he was like playing through an injury, or he was playing heavy or something like that. He is really interesting because everybody, nobody talked about him the entire offseason. Right. He was a fourth round pick just a year ago. Yep. You know, everybody talks about how great this, this running offense is for Carlos Hyde. But, you know, Mike Davis was like on the waiver wire in dynasty leagues.
0: And I think Mike Davis got injured really early during his rookie year as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, he had a horrible rookie year and we, we know that, but for a guy that you can acquire like for free, nothing. He's in a good spot. And Carlos Hyde, I mean, he's been hurt a ton his first two seasons. I mean, he got got hurt running the 40 at the Combine. You know, he had a stress fracture in his foot last year. The year before that, I think he had like 83 carries, yet he still finished the season on IR with knee and back injuries. Um, All last offseason, he had a calf injury. So – and the way that he runs, he runs very violent. He runs to contact. So be very aware of who his backups are. And Mike Davis was the best player on the field in the 49ers' first preseason game, a guy to definitely watch in the second preseason game. I expect him to get even more runs in the second preseason game.
0: What What about the Broncos? Anything stand out for you on that team? Um, Other than, like, I mean, to me, Virgil Green over Jeff Howerman was somewhat yeah. notable um, Mark Sanchez, Trevor Simeon, kind of not look like the same guy, but if they're, they're both the game manager types, right? And then if they want some flash, or and it seems like they probably don't because they just want to rely on their defense and, and not lose the game with their offense, then they would go to Paxton Lynch as as kind of the um, high-variance guy. But that's not going to happen during the early part of his career, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I was hoping to see a lot more Devontae Booker than, than we got to see. We got the, ca- freaking Capri Bibbs got 15 carries. <laughs> Come on, man. 15 carries for Capri Bibbs. Um, I, I just want to see some more Devontae Booker in the second game. I'm hoping okay. to. Yeah.
0: Let's finish out with the Chiefs and the Rams. Jared Goff played like a couple series, and that was it. Did not shine or, or fail either one, really. Um, I mean, What do you
1: think about these early signs on him, man? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Okay you have to understand that I was probably lower on this quarterback class than anyone sure. out there that I didn't think any of them were first round talents and took a lot of heat for saying that. But again, this is someone that unless you give him a similar offense to what he ran in college, in terms of a high volume downfield passing type offense with a lot of tempo to me, he, he has a a pretty significant, I mean, a a pretty firm ceiling that really isn't that high, you know, like He's kind of just a distributor, not someone that's going to create. And when he does create, it's lofted passes down the field. And maybe your receiver wins that, maybe he doesn't. I'm not sure if the Rams receivers can win that. So when he was late picking up the blitz with his eyes and got hit, sure, that was probably on him. Now, do we know if the receivers were open? No, we don't. But I don't think that he's in a good situation to succeed out of the gate here with the Rams. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not going
1: to start, and he doesn't look anywhere near ready to start.
0: Right. I I'm mean, with you. And a lot of people said he was pro-ready, and I completely disagree. Ugh, I, I mean, coming out of college at Texas I'm Tech worried. in this I'm air raid worried. offense, they, like, Mike Leach is not Mike Leach. Um, Sonny Dykes has talked about it in the past, that they had five to seven passing concepts while he was at Texas Tech. And you can master those five to seven concepts, and I'm sure you might run them out of different personnel groupings and formations and stuff. But, like, the NFL is a bit more vast than five to seven passing concepts. So, who knows if he can pick up on that. So He seems, he seems kind of wimpy. He's frail. He's a little frail. Um, in fact, if you watch him, and there was a lot of talk about his arm strength, his first season at Cal, he had to be pulled from a game against Oregon because he had, like, three interceptions and multiple fumbles in this monsoon at Oregon. Just pulled completely because he couldn't throw the ball in that weather. So, again, I don't expect him to face that weather every single week, but it might speak to him a little bit. Finally, with the Chiefs, Evan, I think it's very notable that Spencer Ware is the clear backup to Jamal Charles. Yes. Clear, 100%. He's the running back to target in NFL 10s, and if you want a handcuff, that is Spencer Ware.
1: Yeah, and uh, Jamal Charles came off the PUP. He's going to be good to go. And uh, Shark West going to be a guy who's on my do not draft list i mean just just no reason to draft him yeah even if even if charles got hurt i mean Wes would be involved but spencer Ware would be the lead back and you get the touchdowns and that's what you want
0: cool evan thanks so much for for doing this and uh we'll talk again next week good luck on your your DraftKings preseason dfs slate this week Yeah, man, you too. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And once again, if you want to help us out, rate, review the podcast. Evan and I will be back next week to discuss week two and look ahead to week three. And really week three is the um, week of the preseason that everyone looks forward to. It really solidifies uh, players' places on the roster and on the depth chart. So be ready for that. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all soon.